Welcome to the City Church Cardiff podcast. We're an Elim Pentecostal church in the centre of Cardiff, dedicated to bringing hope in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you're inspired and impacted by this message. So this morning we are continuing our series on the Bible doesn't say that. We've been looking at popular statements that some of us will probably use. It's just kind of in popular culture. And some of us may even think that maybe the Bible backs that statement up. And this morning we are looking at the statement, what goes around comes around. What goes around comes around. Some of us may say this statement. When I think of this phrase, I firstly think, of karma. That principle that if you put kindness into the world, you give out kindness, you'll receive kindness. But if you put in evil into the world, then you will get what you deserve and evil will come back at you. But unfortunately, we know that that isn't the case in this world. Bad things will happen to people that have done good things and vice versa. The idea of karma puts all the onus on us, that it's my fault if something bad happens in the future was because of what I did in the past that this is happening now. We can often say the phrase as a way to sort of feel better about ourselves as well. It can almost feel like a just statement, you know. If something's been hap- happened to you, you might think, well, what, have, what after they did to me, they got what they deserve. What goes around comes around. Or maybe it's like when I would laugh at my dad, who would always fall down every pothole available, bang his head on a cupboard door, and me and my siblings would laugh and say, Dad, watch out for that hole, watch out for that step. And then here I was, my second week of the job here in Cardiff, and I'm out with the youth playing rounders, and I fall down a pothole. And I sprain my ankle. (laughs) What goes around comes around. Was that my just desserts? Was that because... I laughed at my dad in the past, and here I was, falling down holes. But actually, what about when we are hurt by someone else, and then they get hurt? Is it okay then to say what goes around comes around? Being a 90s girl, I used to listen to Justin Timberlake. Some of you might have listened to Justin too. And it made me think of the song, What Goes Around Comes Around. This song is all about him singing about how he's been cheated on by his girlfriend, but now she's also been cheated on by the man that she left him for. So it's all a bit messy. But you can see in the lyrics that he's not happy, he's very hurt, and he's singing, well, what goes around comes around. He even tells her in the song, well, you got what you deserve, and I have no sympathy for you. He has, he's, not, he's not upset about it, he's kind of glad that she's been hurting now. But we can see he's had his sense of justice, that he's like, now she's got what she deserved. But the thing is, it just leaves a bitter taste. It doesn't sit right with us, really. Do we really feel better about ourselves when someone else suffers? It's not until it happens to us and the phrase is said towards us that it just doesn't feel so great. But what about when life keeps throwing us hardships and trials and struggles our way? when we're hurt by a relationship or a friendship, when we're going through grief and pain, when we've been abandoned by someone who's meant to love us, these things can also leave us feeling bitter and hurt. And we can feel like we're just going round in circles in life, like we're never really moving on. If we go by this phrase, what goes around comes around, we could assume that the pain we're experiencing is because we did something bad in the past to someone else. But this morning, I want to look at a better story, the story that Jesus tells us instead. 
There is a one and a story of new life and freedom. The Bible doesn't say what goes around comes around. What we do find is something so much better. We find the truth of Jesus, the person that changes our direction, where this cycle of what goes around comes around is broken. So let's first look at a story of a woman in the Bible who's had a hard life, but then she finds new life in Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. I'm reading from John 4, verses 4 to 26, but it will also come up on the screen. Now he, that's Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water... Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. This is an amazing passage, and it teaches us so much about who Jesus is and what he can do for us. And I believe it can also help us unpick this phrase, what goes around comes around. So firstly, from this scripture, we see that Jesus brings salvation, not us. Jesus brings salvation, not us. When we think about what goes around, comes around, the focus is on ourselves, that our choices, our circumstances will define us and will lead to certain positive or negative feelings or experiences. However, when we read the story of the woman at the well, we hear a different story. 
We often assume that this story is about Jesus revealing sin in the woman's life. However, the core message of this scripture is the salvation of Jesus. It's about his saving grace, what he can do for us. Nowhere does he then tell the woman, go and sin no more, which is something that he would often say to people in the Bible. When we look again and re-examine this, we see that the woman has had a hard life. At that time, in that culture, a woman to have had five husbands suggests to us that she was probably widowed, and maybe several times. Women would have married um, at a younger age and to often, often older men, so it was normal for them to outlive a husband. She may have been divorced as well, but it's unlikely that she, it was by her choice. Husbands could divorce their wives for many different reasons, and the woman didn't really have, um, wasn't able to initiate it. So a widow or a divorced woman would have had no means to support herself until she married again. So if she didn't have a male family member to look after her, her only way to survive was to live with someone that maybe is not her husband. Even though a lot of her circumstances were out of her control, her record of being a widow or a divorced woman would have still been viewed negatively by the culture of the day. So, looking at all of this, it wouldn't be surprising if she had started to feel bitter about her life, how things had turned out, that it kept happening to her. So here she has an interaction with Jesus, and he asks her for a drink, and she questions him. Jesus tells her in verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you could have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman is so confused. What is Jesus talking about? She's come to the well for a physical drink. And she even says to Jesus, but you have no vessel to draw water from. So what, what are you talking about? Jesus goes on to explain that the drink he provides will mean that a person will no longer thirst. And that will lead to eternal life. So of course the woman hears this invitation of this kind of water. She wants to have it. She says, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. I love this image here. The woman has come for a physical drink. We all know when we're thirsty that to quench our thirst, we need to have more water. That's just a biological fact about our bodies. And the woman had to keep coming here in the heat of the day to get water, to stay alive. So of course, as soon as she hears about this type of water, she wants it. But actually, it's a picture of her spiritual life. She's not just thirsty physically, but spiritually. To be loved, to have peace after all the pain and sadness in her life. Jesus reveals her true spiritual lack, her true spiritual thirst. The thing is, she's still not completely convinced. So he has to reveal to her knowledge about her life. This is so that she knows he is the true saviour and true Messiah that she's heard about. She's heard about this person. And here Jesus is telling her about her life. When the woman came to the well, she was looking for a physical drink. But instead, she meets Jesus, the very one who can quench her spiritual thirst. Her previous circumstances, her past, no longer need to define her. When we meet Jesus, our lives are turned around. We don't have to keep going round in circles looking for something to fulfill us, something that will quench our thirst. Jesus brings us salvation, not us. We can't save ourselves. That is the job of Jesus. Yeah. Ephesians 1, 8-9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. 
And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. And Dan read that already in our worship this morning. The Lord is reminding us that Jesus gives us the free gift of grace. It's not something that we can earn or work for or even deserve. It is the grace of God that was given to us. The woman that day experienced the love and grace of Jesus. It overridden, overrides all of her past, all of her circumstances. It overrides our sin and it gives us new life. Jesus brings salvation, not us. And as we find salvation in Jesus, we can also find that Jesus removes bitterness, not us. And that's my second point, that Jesus removes bitterness, not us. As I said at the start, the phrase, what goes around comes around, it can leave a bitter taste, an uncomfortable feeling. Whether it's because we want to see others get what they deserve or because we have become bitter in life because of circumstances, against our free will, like the woman at the well. Maybe you feel like trial after trial has been thrown your way. It just feels like hardship keeps coming back around to you. The woman at the well had many trials, many heartaches. And she might have been thinking, oh, not again. Why is it always me? Maybe you also feel disheartened. Maybe you feel like bitterness has actually crept into your heart. And that you might be asking the question, why has this happened again? Why does this keep happening? But I have good news. When we meet Jesus, we don't have to remain in that place of bitterness. Jesus can remove it and give us the gift of living water. And we see an amazing physical representation of this in Exodus 15, verses 22 to 25. It says this, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. So it's kind of ironic, isn't it, that the Israelites were grumbling, they're complaining, they're looking for water, and they're becoming bitter in their spirit, and then they find water, but it's bitter. But then the Lord shows Moses what to do, to put the wood into the water so it is fit to drink. And this wood is a symbol of the cross of Jesus. Jesus dying on the cross for us makes life fit again. Jesus gives us living water that removes that bitterness and sin. 1 Peter 2, 24 tells us, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. It is Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that heals us and removes bitterness. When we face trials, we have a choice. Will we allow God's love to move in those moments? Will we allow bitterness to creep in? Growing up, I felt like I got hurt a lot by friendships. Felt like friends would let me down quite a lot, that they would move on when they found someone a bit cooler and more like them. And I'd often feel quite lonely and rejected by friends. And I remember one particular friend at school who became very manipulative and nasty to me and would just put me down a lot. And then we moved schools together. And when we moved schools, she found it really hard to make, make new friends and wasn't doing so well. And I almost remember at the time feeling justified that she didn't make us good friends, that it was kind of like, well, what goes around comes around. Like she got what she deserved for how she treated me. 
But then over the years, I started to expect disappointment in friendships. Other friends hurt me, and I wouldn't really be surprised by it because that's just what happened to me in friendships. And I realized that actually I'd become quite cynical about friends, and that the pain and hurt from those experiences had left, had left bitterness in me. I look back and I realized the thoughts I had towards that girl were not right. They were not loving. They were not of God. And actually, it showed that I had bitterness in me. So I had to bring it back to God. I had to bring that back to God and say, God, forgive me. Tell him how hurt I was and allow him to remove that bitterness from me. And from that point on, I started to trust in friends again. I started to pray for life-giving and positive friendships. I learned to be wiser with my friends. We can move from bitterness to freedom. Jesus broke that cycle of bad friendships in my life. Maybe there are cycles in your life that need breaking. Maybe there's an area in your life you need to give back to God where you know bitterness has started to creep in. It could be from a past hurt or pain where you've been let down. Come back to Jesus, to his living waters that removes bitterness. Jesus brings salvation, not us. And Jesus removes bitterness, not us. And finally, Jesus secures our future, not us. The phrase, what goes around, comes around, assumes that our future is determined by what's already happened in the past, what we've done in the past, that it will define us. But it's only Jesus that secures our future, not just our earthly one, but our eternal future. The woman at the well found that she could trust in Jesus. We see her putting her trust in him later in John 4. From verses 27 to 30, we read, Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. And we go down to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Well, firstly, I just love that the woman leaves her water jar behind. She's come to the well for a drink. This is the jar that keeps her alive, that she can draw water from. And now here she is, leaving it behind at the well and going back. She even pointed out to Jesus that you don't have a water jar. And now here she is leaving hers. But I just love that it's a declaration and a symbol that she is now spiritually alive. She doesn't need to try and work and find her salvation in anything else. Jesus had met her need. Her spiritual thirst had been met. She was no longer striving to sort out her own future. She left with a new direction. And she knew that that direction was to tell others about Jesus, to share the hope she had found in him. Here was a man that could tell her the details of her life. He was a man that could truly give her freedom and peace. He was the saviour who she was called to worship in spirit and in truth. He was a man that would stop long enough to actually explain salvation to her. 
Here was a man talking to a woman in a day where men and women wouldn't speak in public unless they were related. Here was a Jewish man speaking to Samaritan women when Jews and Samaritans didn't speak. This was a man that crossed ethnic, geographical, and gender boundaries to give her new life. This is Jesus, our Savior, our awesome God, who crosses our boundaries, every boundary that we put up, he will cross there to give us new life. This is Jesus, our amazing Savior. He broke the cycle of pain in the woman's life, and he gave a new purpose, a new direction. And it didn't just stop with her. Many more people came to know Jesus because of her testimony. She was essentially the first woman evangelist. And through her testimony, so many more people came into a living relationship with God. With Jesus, we no longer need to go round in a circle. We no longer need to see our past circumstances, a burden, and an expectation of how our future will be. Jesus changes our trajectory. He changes our direction. We can actually move forward with Jesus. And the most amazing, wonderful thing is that Jesus promises eternal life. It's not just hope for now, but it's hope for our eternal future. John 4, 13 to 14 says, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. We can throw out that idea that we are responsible for our future, that we are responsible for our eternal future. Because once we encounter Jesus, our lives are changed. We have a hope and a future. We are now called to worship Jesus in spirit and truth and tell others about him. Jesus secures our future, not us. So as we've looked at this phrase, what goes around, comes around, it's caused us to think that our choices, our circumstances will define us and will lead to positive, negative experiences. But the truth is, Jesus brings salvation, not us. The phrase can lead to us having a bitter taste, an uncomfortable feeling in life. But the truth is, Jesus removes bitterness, not us. And finally, it assumes that our future and what we should do is dictated by our past. But the truth is, Jesus secures our future, not us. He secures your future, not you. And there's an invitation now for you to come to that living water. In Revelation, the final book of the Bible, chapter 22, verse 17 says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Jesus offers us the living water. He can quench our spiritual thirst. We no longer have to strive for it. If you've never known Jesus personally, then this is an opportunity for you to say yes to him today. To accept that living water. To have your spiritual hunger met and break the cycle you are in. So in a moment, a prayer is going to come up on the screen. And I ask that all of us pray this prayer out loud together. And if you want to say this for the very first time, this is an amazing time to give your commitment and belief in Jesus. So let's say this prayer together now. Jesus, I acknowledge that I have done wrong things and that my sin has separated me from you. But I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. Today I ask for your forgiveness and thank you for your gift of new life. I receive you as my Lord and Saviour. I choose relationship with you 
and I choose to live for you. Please come into my heart and change my life now and forevermore. Amen. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. To find out more, visit our website at citychurchcardiff.com or find us on social media.